Um, I just want to open in prayer, and then, yeah, we'll delve in. Yeah, Father God, we thank you so much for this day. <laughs> thank you for this time we get to worship and fellowship together and to hear from your word. Lord, I ask that you'll open our ears to hear what you want to say to us, that you open our hearts to receive, our minds to understand, and Lord, lead us into action, God. Lord, it's all for your glory and for your honor and to make your name great. So come do what only you can do in this space, God. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be reading from my notes. I'll try not to read too many times. But yeah, I feel like worship is an area that I am still growing in. And yeah, I will be working out for the rest of my life. But one day when face to face with our Lord Jesus, we'll be able to fully express our worship with him. And I picture it to be like the living creatures uh, described ministering before the Lord in Revelations 4, singing day and night without stopping. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, proclaiming and declaring praise and worship before him. Yes, I long for that day. But right now, while we have breath in our lungs, we get a chance to practice and prepare ourselves for that day and worship the Lord here and now. Back in the Old Testament times, worship was designated to a certain place at a certain time. So one temple, one city, and only accessible by a few. That's when Jesus meets when the, with the Samaritan woman at the wall. It is a complete mind shift because he says, no longer are you going to worship on this mountain or in this city in Jerusalem, but a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. We are living in that time. It puts a smile on my face to know that Jesus also sang a hymn with his disciples after the Last Supper. It is briefly mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark, in Matthew 26, 30, and Mark 14, verse 26. It says, like, after they had the supper, they went and sang a hymn and then headed off to the Mount of Olives. Um, and then in Zephaniah three seventeen, we read that the Lord rejoices over us with singing. So I'm like, if the Lord sings, like, we can also sing. <laughs> it says so in his word. So what is worship? I like how Louis Giglio put it in his book, The Air I Breathe. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who he is and what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. I'll say that again. Worship is our response, both personal and corporate, so yeah, together, to God for who he is and what he has done, expressed in and by the things we say and the way we live. You and I were created to worship. That is how God has designed us. Colossians 1 verse 16, it talks about the fact that everything, absolutely everything, the things we can see and can't see is created by God, through God, and for God. And then Isaiah 43 verse 7 says, we are created by God for his glory. 
Romans 11.36 says something similar, that everything comes from God and exists because of him and is intended for his glory. The chief end of man is to worship God and enjoy him forever. That's the Westminster Catechism of like the 1600s. And then John Piper like modifies it a little bit and he says the chief end of man is to glo- worship God by glory, by enjoying him forever, which is awesome. Like in our enjoyment of God, we get to worship him, which is just really beautiful. Worship of God is turning our hearts towards him and fixing our thoughts on him, coming before him with a thankful and grateful heart, praising him for who he is and what he has done and what he continues to do in our lives, acknowledging his greatness and giving him all the honor and glory because he alone is worthy of all the glory, honor, and praise. So how do we cultivate a lifestyle of worship? I believe it starts with our private worship. The way we live from day to day is a huge reflection of our love and worship of God. If we aren't worshiping God privately in our everyday lives, can we even call the worship we give on a Sunday worship like it was not a daily action? Our private worship of God will naturally overflow into our corporate public worship. And God knows and sees the depths of our hearts and our actions and our thoughts. And this verse always hits me. It's said, like mentioned twice in the Bible, um, Isaiah 29, 13, and then Jesus says it again in Matthew 15, verse 8 to 9. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. The worship of me is based on mere human rules they have been taught. I don't want that to be said of me when I come before God. It's like, oh, you're giving me lip service. But like I know what's happening in your heart. So here are some things that come to mind when I think of ways we can cultivate the spiritual discipline of worship. So I'm going to go through these, yeah, in more detail. Um, But yeah, so spending time with the Lord through prayer and thanksgiving, through our testimony and whatever we do. So in spending time with the Lord, it could involve meditating on God's word. This, if you want to know how to worship God, <laughs> this is your best manual, the Bible. Um, scripture helps us a lot in knowing what's on God's heart and is also one of the key ways we can hear him speak. In scripture, we get to learn about the character of God and his nature. We read in scripture that God is worthy of our worship. If we approach reading scripture with a heart focused on seeking the Lord Jesus, inviting Holy Spirit to help us see and understand as we read and to, see our, and to stir our hearts to see more of God's heart and his character and nature and to change us from the inside out, this can lead to worship. The Psalms is also helpful in focusing our hearts and minds to the Lord and is very practical in how to worship God in different seasons and circumstances of life. When things are going well or not so well, we are encouraged to worship the Lord. We are also encouraged to do so together in a corporate setting, to praise his name, to proclaim his salvation day after day, to worship him with every breath. We can also worship God through our creativity, 
through various arts and crafts, playing musical instruments, singing, dancing, just to name a few. I don't know what creative activities you do, but just think about that as a way of worshiping God. We can also worship God in his creation, enjoying the beauty of God's creation. I know as a family, we will often drive along the coast um, and then just marvel at like the birds or like the scenery, the mountains that are so big. Like that can cause our hearts to worship. Even as we hike, it's like, I don't know if some of you hike, I'm not a hiker, but I know some people enjoy hiking and they get to enjoy God's nature in that way. Also caring for his creation can be an act of worship. And then soaking and just being in his presence, where we can focus our hearts and our minds on him, meditating on scripture. In Psalm 16, it says that in his presence is fullness of joy, which says a lot. (laughs) It's awesome. It's a joyous thing to be able to worship God. And then through listening to worship songs and singing along, helps fix our hearts and our minds on Jesus. Worship songs reminds us of the goodness, the grace and mercy, love and faithfulness of our God. If you are singing truths of what's in scripture, that's what we declare. And what he has, like what he has done and continues to do. There is something that happens in our hearts and our minds and in our spirits when we praise and worship the Lord. There's a scripture from Psalm 27 that says, One thing I've asked of the Lord, this I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. Another way we can worship God is through prayer and thanksgiving. When we pray, we really get to focus on God. And this is a way for us to talk to God and also to listen to what he has to say to us. Having an attitude of gratitude can definitely lead our hearts to worship God. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We can practice giving thanks. Start small. If you're like, don't think of anything to be grateful for, just be like, Lord, I'm grateful that I'm still breathing and alive today. Um, He's given us every breath. Thank God for who he is and what he has done and continues to do. Thank him in good times, in bad times, in sad and confusing times. Just thank him. There are so many things to be thankful for. And as we begin to thank God, that also changes our heart. It might not change our circumstances, but it will change our heart and our outlook in terms of what's what's happening around us because we're fixing our hearts and our minds on Jesus. And then through testimony, through our testimonies, when we share testimonies of what God has done in our lives, that also brings honor and glory to him. I love what Psalm 71 says, As for me, I will always have hope. I praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Though I know not how to relate them all, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God. 
till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. And then we also get to worship God through what we do. We can worship him with our lives if it's sold out and laid down for God. Often we will talk about a lifestyle of worship, but it's not just singing songs on a Sunday. I think most of our brains auto, are we going to worship? It's like what we sing, but it's so much more than that. It's in everything we do and everything we say and even our thoughts, showing that God is the most important in our lives. After all, everything we have comes from him. He made us, and we are called to do everything for God's glory. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's 1 Corinthians 10.31. And Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father through him. Whatever you do includes how we love and serve the Lord and how we love and serve one another. 1 John 4 verse 9 to 12 says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his son, his one and only son, into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. It is sometimes easy to separate our Sunday life from our Monday through to Saturday lives, Um, but the way we treat people says a lot about our love for God and for others. We cannot fool the Lord. And if there is any unkindness, injustice, cruelty, hardness, or dishonesty in our hearts, it stands between us and God when we come to him in worship. But God is gracious and compassionate, rich in mercy and love. And we can come to him and confess and turn to him in repentance. He has the power to change our hearts to love others as only he can. But we need to be willing to submit and lay ourselves down at his mercy seat. I love what the message says um, from Romans 12. It says, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. I genuinely believe that all the spiritual disciplines and habits for wholeness um, that Classic has been working through the last couple of weeks go hand in hand with worship. And I've only mentioned like a few things, but there's fasting, there's through our stewardship, um, through evangelism, when we share the gospel. Those are all ways that we can worship and bring glory to God. Where your heart focus is will determine whether you are worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth. And worship is only meaningful if we are genuinely doing so from a heart of love, wanting to please, honor, and glorify God. I know I fall short in all of these areas. I often get distracted, uh, get busy, 
get caught up in sin that I need to confess and repent and ask for forgiveness. There are times when I forget to fix my eyes and thoughts on the Lord Jesus or to turn towards him in worship, to thank him, to praise him and to honor him. But those moments of realization that I haven't done so, I believe are prompts from the Holy Spirit to turn back my attention and thoughts onto Jesus, to confess and repent and receive forgiveness and worship him once again as he deserves to be worshipped because he is worthy. How awesome is, is it that we get to practice a lifestyle of worship of Father God and Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit here on earth in preparation for eternity. I think uh, if we don't start now, we're going to be very surprised when we meet Jesus one day <laughs> in heaven because um, worship is going to be happening 24-7. Um, if, we be, if we cultivate a lifestyle of worship, our thoughts and hearts fixed on lo- the Lord and expressed through our actions, that will overflow into our gathered time of worship. We will come ready and expecting to worship and glorify God together, letting the message of Christ dwell among us richly as we teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. So as we go into a time of worship together, let's turn our thoughts and hearts towards God. And I want to encourage you to ask Holy Spirit to give you a heart that longs and desires to worship Him. He deserves not just part of us or one hour on a Sunday. He deserves our very lives. After all, Jesus gave His whole life for us on the cross, dying for our sins that we could live, offering eternal life to anyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and reconciling us once again to the Father. He is the only one who can save, and he is the only one who deserves all our worship.